This episode is proudly sponsored by The Helix, a new innovation district located in New Brunswick, New Jersey, the heart of the Northeast Corridor. The Helix provides a critical ecosystem for innovation by offering a range of physical environments, a vibrant community of leading innovators, and a strategic central location on the Northeast Corridor. The Helix will uniquely mix workspaces, classrooms, laboratories, venues, and collaborative environments creating a dynamic community and setting for innovative minds. Universities, startups, Fortune 500 companies, entrepreneurs, researchers, and many others will all call the Helix home. Thus far, the Helix has assembled a community of innovative private and public organizations, such as Rutgers Health, the New Jersey Innovation Hub, RWJ Barnabas Health, Hackensack Meridian Health, universities from Ireland and Israel, and others. The Helix is where ideas will come to life. To learn more, visit helixnj.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From NJ.com and the Star Ledger, welcome to the Rutgers Rant, your one-stop podcast for the Scarlet Knights, with your hosts, Steve Politi and Rutgers insiders, Brian Fonseca and Pat Lenny. Let's start shopping. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Rant. Politi here, Fonseca, Lanny. We're all here. It is finally football week. We have a game this weekend. It's hard to imagine. Every time... As I get older, fellas, every time like the the end of the season comes, I think the next season's never going to get here. And it always does. I'm always surprised, pleasantly surprised. Rutgers Northwestern. And tell me if I'm wrong, guys. I cannot think of an opener in recent Rutgers history that was as much of a must-win game than this. I mean, Rutgers cannot lose this game to Northwestern and have any hope of having the kind of season they, they want and expect in Piscataway. Do you agree with agree with that? Yes. And I know I joke around about saying season's over after one loss. I did that last week with women's soccer. I literally do think the season would be over if they lost to Northwestern because the margin for to, to, if the making a bowl game is your goal, which it probably should be at this point, four years into Seattle coming back. If you lose to Northwestern, you literally have to win every other winnable game which if you lose to Northwestern, you're not going to do that, right? If you lose to Northwestern, you're not beating Michigan State. So yeah, totally. And not just in the football sense, from a perspective sense too, because they're going to be the only show in town, noon, Sunday, Labor Day. Everyone in college football is going to be watching that game. And if you lose to Northwestern on the back of that scandal, how bad they were last year, it's it would be, you'd be the laughingstock of college football for a week and people wouldn't take Rutgers seriously. So yeah, in, in just about every sense, it's a must win. I can't lose. However you want to label it. Rutgers has to start the season one and oh, or they're, you know, the reasonable panic might start setting in. Right. And the flip side of that is Pat, that, that it's, it's a good opportunity too. I have Rutgers has not had this to start a season. You know, Brian's right. We put it on, you're on national television. I get it. It's Sunday at noon or maybe Labor Day weekend. People won't be there, but still, you know, it's, it's NBC. It's, it's a big deal. Yeah, it is. And I'm sure Shiano doesn't want to open the season against a big 10 team. Like when his scheduling mastermind came out, I'm sure he was uh, like, please give me Wagner to start the season. But I think it's great from the outside perspective of 
All right, we're playing one of our most meaningful games right off the bat. Just like, and remember, just like last year too, Boston College felt like one of those kind of winnable games, and the way they pulled that out gave them a little bit of momentum. Sure, maybe that's the same case here. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that was that was a similar type opener. You probably would have thought that Boston College was better than Northwestern right now, but that certainly the season didn't turn out that way. You can't say enough about all the stuff that's swirling up there in Northwestern. It's a bad situation. People will be watching out of curiosity just to see how that team responds. Uh, I mean, in the same line, I'm curious how this uh, Rutgers responds. You know, this season didn't end well. Made a lot of changes in their coaching staff. Uh, you know, to the offensive, we're going to see if, if you know, Kirk Shiraka's offense is better than what it was last year. If if Pat Flaherty can can rejigger this offensive line to the point where, where, where it's competent. I mean, there's just a lot of things that are going to be interesting just from the intrigue point on offense, especially. And, of course, the quarterback, Gavin Wimsett anointed as the starter before camp you know we're going to see we're going to see right away if this if this kid is ready in in his second full year absolutely and obviously there's always going to be the first game overreactions where if he has a great game it feels like you know it was a great decision and he's made this big jump in his development and if he has a tough game everyone's going to be thinking about who the transfer quarterback they're going to get next march is but i think after watching two camps in the Camp in the spring, camp in training camp, watching Rutgers play each other back and forth. I'm just so excited to watch them play someone else yeah. to be able to objectively think about how this team is because we've talked about this for so – I can't tell you how many times we've talked about the wide receiver and the offensive line and Gavin Wimsett and Kirk Sharaka and all these names rattling in my brain. I'm so excited to just sit down and watch them actually <laughs> play football. I cannot tell you. I, sometimes the seasons, you know, the season sneaks up on you. This season, this offseason has dragged on for so, so long. I yeah. am fired up to be able to talk about something and be able to have a I podcast with you guys where we have something. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny though. So this, this is the, the topic that was, that came up with a, with a friend of the podcast. I won't tell you who it is, Fooch. And it's interesting to think what, so what happens here if Gavin Wimsett struggles? And I guess that, that to me is really an interesting question because normally when you have a, you, you've named this guy a quarterback, you've built your team around him. You, you, you're all right. So this is your guy. You've said this, you believe he's got the higher upside. He's the biggest quarterback recruit in school history. Still, he's inexperienced, 19 years old. He's got to grow into the job. But he can't, if he's struggling against Northwestern, it's sort of a very fascinating deal. I mean, I can't imagine, Pat, that his leash is very long because they can't lose. We just said they can't lose the game. No. You know, if, if if this guy, if he comes out and it's the worst case scenario, and he throws a couple of picks and he misses a couple easy throws. How long do you ride with him? Do you is he? Is I I actually completely disagree. I think he has a decently long leash because really went down this point of no return. When you anoint him the starting quarterback ahead of camp and put all this pressure on him, I I just feel like he has a pretty long leash. And uh, they got to a fork in the road. They made their decision and they have to stick with it. In my opinion, so I, it's if it's thirteen like seven Northwestern in the third quarter, and he is. You know, four of twelve yeah. with an interception. Well, you mean to tell me we're not? They're in danger of losing that game. We're not. You think you're not going to get pulled? That's I really think they're sticking with them. I really do. Hmm. How else? How else do you crush a kid's future than yanking him right. two quarters into his his season? Right. He's all right. Maybe you'll make the argument he's already broken, but or wasn't didn't deserve it in the first place, but. I still think this is a year of development for him. It's been a really long time since Rutgers has developed a quarterback. 
And I think they're all in on this development that they know this isn't going to be a, a one week, two week thing. I think they're invested in this for, for a couple of years. Brian, you agree? I'm, I could not agree more with Pat. I think uh, you're wow. alone here, Steve. I just think unless uh, your scenario, I, I'm not sure they would pull any quarterback. I would say like maybe Ruff Rutgers is losing 44, 10 and three of those touchdowns were pick sixes that Wimps had through and he's sailing balls 30 feet over guys' heads. And it's just clear that there was a gross miscalculation, which I just don't see that happening. I think so long as he does not like completely implode to the level where he's like, uh, there's so many bad quarterbacks at Rutgers in recent years. And I can't think of a specific name. It's probably best for the best that I don't (laughs) call out a single guy, but unless he falls to the depths of the very bad quarterback play, we've seen at Rutgers here for a long time, which I don't think he will. I think he gets to ride out the whole, the whole first game probably gets to ride it out at worst the first half of the season i'm just agree with pat that you put all your eggs in one basket you kind of have to just for the sake of the kid's confidence and 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 not shattering any hope he has <laughs> like to pat's point you got to kind of help him out hope he figures it out at some point and uh look if he doesn't by the halfway point of the season and you'll be zero and six or one and five or whatever at that point give evan simon a chance to earn his spot on the roster and start preparing for 2024 Wow, that's fascinating. I, I just think this is a team that's probably going to use more than one quarterback anyway. I mean, it's not, it's not on, you know, it's not unlike them in the past and Rutgers past to, they certainly haven't had one guy have that job entirely for, for a very long time, but that'll be good. All right. We'll, we'll, we'll see when we're, when we're in the press box at this situation. It Rutgers does not want this situation. They want to be up 24 nothing with, with Gavin playing out no matter what happens. But if it does, it's going to be fascinating. Uh, all right, one other topic I want to get to and, and uh, talk to Greg Schiano last week about managing what the expectations here are going to be, what what defines success. And it's well, I thought it was a fascinating conversation. And, and I, I know one of the reasons why I like covering Greg Schiano and have enjoyed it for the past 25 years is because he's honest. And we are in an era now in sports writing where, you know, coaches and athletes are are pretty much taught not to answer questions. Their their job, they they see interviews as let's just get through this. You know, let's get this done. But I went down and talked to Greg Channel with a list of you know boilerplate kind of questions, and he challenged me on it. And it was, I thought it was, it was kind of fascinating. And different people had different responses to his answers. And I'm curious what you two guys thought of him's of him kind of backing away that 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 this is not going to be a se- season where we define progress by wins and losses. And what also what he said about his contract situation yes every every single statement i went back and forth three to three to four different ways and i changed my mind probably three or three or four times before i got to this final conclusion and i've been asked this question how many times too like what is this rucker season going to look like and i just think even when greg talks about gavin he's always talking about he's making understanding things and things are slowing down for him and all these little subtleties that I think that the season's expectations are is is subtle growth does that make any sense subtle growth uh that like you really can't measure this team on wins and losses but if you see that subtle growth especially offensively he's going to be happy so we were all at practice when you talked to Greg afterwards and you walked over to us and explained what just happened. And I was, you know, pretty surprised at how candid he was. And then I read the quotes and I was like, wow, like I, I was pretty surprised. I don't know if you were surprised as he was saying, Steve, but like, I was surprised just how candid he was, like how, how, re- I mean, he, he said the thing about his contract is something that I think a lot of people 
probably felt was the reality, but he just said it. I, right. I was very surprised he said that. And the quote, if you didn't read the column, because I should have read the quote first, it's uh, he said, there's, I told them, well, this is your four of, of eight. And he said, he interrupted me and said, there's no of anything. I'll be the one that will tell them, front brackets, I'm done coaching, not the other way. I signed up for this because I believe we can get it back to where we had it and beyond. The minute I don't feel like we can, I'll let them know. And I look, and it, it, you know, your first reaction is, "Wow, that's 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 a that's a great quote. Uh, that's interesting." But the next reaction is, "Well, I mean, that's always that's always been what the situation is here, right? I mean, the moment he took the job, it wasn't. You know, I remember having conversations with people like, "Well, I don't have to ever worry about a like a Rutgers coach getting fired again." You know, it's not. No, they're never going to fire Greg Channel. It is really good. This is always going. This is what's always going to end in one way, and it was him telling them they're done. Whether it's him telling them that they're done after the Rose Bowl or him telling them that they're done after a, a four and eight season and, and frustration or whatever it might be, uh, I think that that's that's the case. So I mean, I, I guess when you look at it that way, it's not surprising. But to hear it out loud, I agree with you. I was a little surprised as well. Absolutely. All right, fellas. True or false? Let's go. You ready? Let's go. Let's, Let's do it. Preseason true or false. Here we go. First first item, true or false. The biggest concern coming out of camp, receiver play. Pat, you go first this time. True or false? True. Brian, true or false? I'll go false, but it okay. is up there. All right. Well, then we'll see. True or false. The biggest concern coming out of camp, the offensive line as usual. Pat, we know your answer. So, Brian, true or false? True. Okay. We'll discuss that in a minute. I I, I think I'm with you on that one. True. Uh, all right. True or false? Ohio State will win the Big Ten. Pat, the Buckeyes going to win the Big Ten? Uh, is USC in this year or not? I can't remember. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no, right? So, uh, Washington. Yeah. Uh, I think I got uh, USC this year. Uh, yeah. I'm going to stick with USC. Yeah. Let's go. With USC. Okay. That's good. Fair. Okay. Brian? I've gone back and forth on this a lot this offseason. I will say true. Yes. True or false. Michigan will win the Big Ten. Pat, you could have picked the Wolverines instead of the, the I like, Trojans. I like, I like Michigan. I like the way they're, they're physical. So I'm, I'll say true to okay. that. I'm going false. I think Ohio State will win. True or false. Someone other than Michigan, Iowa State and Michigan will win the Big Ten. What are the chances? I guess we, we've all saying false to that. But what are the chances? Is there a dark horse team you're going to put? Would you put in there? People are loving Penn State. Penn State's the only one I can think of, right? But they got to beat both Wisconsin. They're, they're gonna do, they're gonna do it one of these years. I mean, that first year in New Wisconsin wasn't any good last, in that last year. It's tough. All right, so we're, a, lot, I, a lot of portal, new coaching staff. Yeah, uh, but Penn State, yes, to your point. If if this isn't the year for Penn State, I it might never be for James Franklin. So true or false? Rutgers should sign up for a game in Dublin, even if it takes away a home game. I mean, the scenes from the scenes from that uh, that Notre Dame Navy game were pretty cool. True or false, Pat? Yeah, except if you actually watched the game and it was one of the worst games I've ever watched. <laughs> I, did, I didn't that, watch that, it. Like, Rutgers is the Navy of that situation. So <laughs> I'm false. I didn't watch a minute of it. Uh, Brian, true or false? I also did not watch a minute of it. I was caught up in messy mania. But yeah. the idea of us traveling to Ireland, having some Guinnesses and hanging out with yes. the locals, that's got me saying true all the that's way. A big, that's a big true, even if Greg Shanna will make sure it's false for the rest of his time there. Uh, well, all right, what if we go to Italy then instead of Ireland? I think he would say yes then. Yeah, little, still false. He doesn't want to go. Yeah. He doesn't want to go anywhere further than SHI Stadium, which is completely understandable. 
All right, true or false, buckle up, basketball fans. It's going to be a while before Dylan Harper finally announces. Pat, what do you think, true or false? Yowza. Uh, true. True. Mm. Brian? Uh, I'll go false, and I guess we can talk about it later, but I'll go false. Okay. Right. Uh, yeah, it depends on what we define a while. I think I'm going to say false for now as well. All right, and finally, true or false, Lionel Messi is better than Ronaldo. Brian? Brian, you saw it. No, come on, true or false? You just watched him. You just you just spent you just paying your entire day chronicling his every footstep through Harrison, New Jersey. True or false? I would say Hudson County because I was in Hoboken as well. You were in Hoboken. Here's how I'll say: Lionel Messi is the best player I've ever seen at Red Bull Arena. Okay, I was gonna say I was gonna say day at practice. Him, whoever, whichever reporter is there. <laughs> is this right? Yeah. It is, this is the only yeah. thing they talk about. They don't care about American football. They care about the footy. That's oh, that it. Must get, every, that day, must, yeah. every day it comes back to this question. And then, and then he's going to answer it like that. I can't allow it. This I can't just, allow yeah. it. I, I will say a very big a <laughs> listener of our podcast. <laughs> a, a very, okay. A very um, uh, astute listener of our, of our podcast, who shall not be named, Fouch, always argues with me uh, that Pele is better than Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi, despite the fact Messi and Ronaldo are by far and away the two greatest players of all time. Like, it's not even remotely close. It's, it's like you? the way Wayne Gretzky is the greatest hockey player of all time. That is what Messi and Ronaldo are to soccer. It's are you not even of, remotely close. Are you out of your mind? What what, what kind of opinion are, did, did, soccer, did soccer start when you were born? Is that what your father is here? Are you on Fuji's side here? Of There's course no I am. It's Oh, oh my God! Pele was playing against plumbers and firefighters. Oh, don't give me a break with the firefighters and never... so with Pele's impact now, on the global and game. Now the podcast this... has become training camp, and now the podcast. <laughs> right now, I, yeah, I, I feel like I I'm taking crazy it. pills when I'm talking to anybody in this country about soccer. The world. Oh, enough! Want, this, that's crazy. Anyone, anyone that watched La Liga from like 2007 to 2017, that decade. I mean, anybody who in their right mind I mean, who watched what Messi and Ronaldo did in La Liga would never you, say this. You just think world no. history started when, when whatever year you were born. That's all you no, think. I, That's I, what I think. think scoring 60 goals a season for a decade for is, is something that no player has ever done. Okay. I, all right. That's enough. Oh, my God. Pele was playing against my dad. Oh, my <laughs> get out of here. Get. I've seen more competitive this games in the local pickup game I play every just, Monday. This is just indefensible. Thank goodness. Thank goodness I wasn't at training camp to have this to have this conversation every day, Pat. I'm with you. It's it's so so annoying. I I have so So many regrets for putting this question in true or false now. I hope the sorry, dear listener to this podcast will back me up. I swear to God, if it's we're losing subscribers every second. Every second. Devco, I apologize to to Devco and Chris Palladino for sponsoring this. This, Yeah, this is off the Don't get me riled up at the complain. Okay. All right. What were the other points we have? Oh, okay. Pat, you're more worried about receivers and offensive line. Is that right? Yeah, I am. I am. Uh, I just think in, I've been concerned about it since since spring that they, they lose their top three receivers. They need production and they get a couple guys that have to prove it. And I just I want to see a little bit more. I just want to see a little bit more from those guys. You know, I think Isaiah Washington has to step up. The Christian Dremels have to step up. You know, they're seniors. Uh, it's their time. And the transfer guys, you know, they got to step up too. Gun to your head, who is the leading receiver on this team at the end of the year, if you had to say right now? I'm going to go with Jaquay Jackson. Okay. Do you agree, Brian? I would agree. 
I would agree. I think there's a chance of like a dark horse, Chris Long, maybe um, Ian Strong, if he really has a really good freshman year. But uh, I would bet I'm, – I'm, I'm a very bad better, as I've said many times. But I would gamble on Jaquay Jackson. Okay, interesting. I like uh, Chris Long. I like Chris Long. I didn't mention him before. I think he could have a nice year. That was good. That's a good call, Brian. All right, the Dylan Harper saga. I, I just got – so just to you – know, the, the buzz was pretty strong a couple weeks ago that this was imminent from people I talked to, I uh, get the sense now that that has changed. I think we're trending toward him wanting to be in the school building uh, to make his announcement. It's, you know, obviously school opens next week, at least for my kids, it does. I don't know about the rest of the universe, but so if that's the case, Brian, I, I, I get the sense that you don't want to do it the first day of school. So now you're looking at two, three weeks closer to basketball season before he makes it. I, I don't think it's changed. Like all Rutgers fans should be worried. Like all of a sudden he's going to Kansas, but that's my sense. Experience the Heldridge Hotel, a luxury hotel that's perfect for both the business and leisure traveler. Ideally located within minutes of Rutgers University, the Heldridge is convenient to all the action and activities at SHI Stadium, Jersey Mike's Arena, and the Rutgers University campus. The moment you walk through the doors of the Heldridge Hotel and Conference Center, you know you're someplace different. A place with an independent spirit and a boutique vibe. A place where you can immerse yourself in your meeting or event as easily as you can the local culture. Located in the heart of the city, the Heldridge lets you experience all that New Brunswick has to offer. Whether you're coming to New Brunswick for a fun weekend with friends, in town for a Scarlet Nights game, or attending a business meeting, book your accommodations today at theheldridge.com. Yeah, I just think people got riled up with the uh, absence of, of solid information of when he'd do it, and uh, the kid kind of played into it as well. So my guess is – so he has until November for the first signing period. I don't think he'll go into November. He wants to do it before his season starts in October, I think. Mm-hmm. If I had to guess, third week of September sounds right to me. Could happen before, could happen after. But that I, – I, and this is not inside information. I don't know when he's going to do it, but just it, that makes the most sense in, in my book. All right. I don't think we have to talk about anything else. Good job, guys. Excited. Wait, what about offensive line? That was your thing. Why Why are you so concerned oh, right. about the offensive line? Well, because I've, just been, I've been concerned about the offensive lines for for the entirety of Rutgers' existence in the Big Ten. Since 2006, I've been concerned about the Rutgers' offensive line. Um, and I guess until I see it, until I see it perform at a level where the big bodies are, when they're winning the battles in the trenches. And it's funny because, I, I, again, this next week I've got a story on – uh, Aaron Lewis coming out on Tuesday. Check your internet provider to find this story. Talk to him at length. And I talked to Marquise Watson, and Marquise Watson it was like a really great conversation. His, his quote was, I expect nothing less than domination from the defensive line. And I just love that. Like, that is a really competent group. I can see it. I believe it that they've got the bodies, they got rotation. You know, you can see that they are going to be really good on the defensive trenches for the first time, maybe in a long time in the Big Ten. Right. I just don't know about the offensive line. I just, I wonder about whether or not they've still got the pieces. I've got some experience. I get it. They've got a great coach. Finally, I get it. Uh, but man, it's just until, until I see that, until I see that work, until I see them line up against, you know, a good big 10 team and, and, and hold their own, at least hold their own. That's going to be, yeah, what, I thought they just weren't that awful last year. Maybe I was watching something different. I like, I thought they were a pretty decent enough offensive line. They ran the ball well at times. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so uh, that's why I'm more concerned about receiver. I just think there are so many more question marks off at the line. Interesting. But those are easily one. And no matter which way you put them, yeah, yeah. they are one and one. I have concerns. 
Uh, all right, good job, fellas. Appreciate that. Questions from our readers, insider questions, guys. This is the time to subscribe if you haven't already to our tech service. We are just we're just texting away like like crazy men. Uh, all right, lots of just season projections and predictions about what win loss is going to be. Just as a programming note, we're going to come back and record a second podcast this week on Friday, where we're going to do uh, season projection, win, win total, and Northwestern Northwestern pick. So plan on that for your tailgate when you're driving to the game. We'll have that ready for you later in the week. So we're going to we're going to hold off on coming up with what who we think's uh, going to win this game. Um, all right, so. Here's a question from Paul Jaffe in Bend, Oregon, one of our favorite. He thinks that uh, Gavin's confidence will soar, which will open up many def- defense passes, but this entire season's on the offensive line. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I tend to think that that's a very important thing. We just talked about it. But do you think that the team's the team success this year is dependent on that area of improvement? Brian, what do you think? I think so uh, because it all starts in the trenches, as we know, and the offense has to more than have an exceedingly good season, not lose games for Rutgers to not lose games. You don't turn the ball over and you don't turn the ball over when your quarterback isn't being you know, pressured hard when your running backs are getting tackled mm-hmm. uh, by linebackers with no resistance and fumbling the ball. Um, so I think in that sense, it's the most important that they can just hold things down. They don't need a dominant, you know, uh, offensive line that's pushing uh, and making space for the running backs. They just have to make sure that they don't put their players in a position where they're turning the ball over, which would be the death of this Rutgers team. The defense is good enough to carry the way. The offense just cannot lose games and the offensive line has to really help them in that sense. All right. Question from Peter in Palm city with the secondary depth, especially at corner and the return of Ture alongside Bailey and Lewis. Those are your, defensive pass rushers doesn't it figure to be a blitz happy defense That's an interesting question certainly uh if we know greg shannon he likes to put pressure uh on opposing defenses so you would figure that it would be a yes but um i don't know if are they are they good enough in the back end where they can they can cover guys too pat what do you think i uh this is such a great question i, I love it and i it's really fresh on my mind because we just wrote it in the step chart preview today that came out today Remember back at Boston College, the first play of the season was a corner blitz and Robert Longer being just obliterated Phil Jerkovich from the oh, backside. Yes, 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 yes. That was Joe Harris-Simiak's first ever play call. That's a great point. Yeah. Right. Wow. <laughs> so if we're talking about like what this yeah. first thing he did at Rutgers was blitz the quarterback off the corner from the corner. Right. right? Yeah. That corner blitz. So I, I agree with this. From Peter from Palm City, I think 100% is going to be a blitz happy defense. I really that's yeah. great. That's yeah. a great point. He, yeah, and and if you're looking for strengths, and I know Greg Channel loves the coaching staff, but you're right that that and uh, he really established himself. I thought as a good defensive play caller last year. I know it wasn't it wasn't great to get some of the better teams, but overall, yeah, that that uh, good point. So yes, Peter, we think we're going to blitz a lot. Uh, and that's going to be key. And the one thing they they haven't they didn't do last year they did not turn the ball over to the level that. I think Greg Shannon wanted them to. So that's going to be an important uh, 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 priority. The ball is the program. You might have heard that while while they were arguing Messi Pe- Pe- uh, versus Pele. Um, Can't confirm, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, some more questions here. Uh, we got a question from uh, Frank Pepsarone. 
offensive offensive tackle in 1980. So we got some former players yes, coming in. Friend of the pod. Friend of the pod. That's great. I love it. Uh, so he saw, he's fascinated by this commercial. I just saw watching the Notre Dame game about the, Nor- the Notre Dame collective, and I didn't see it, but he did send me a clip of the commercial. Uh, I am a monthly donor to the Knights of the Ratchet NIL collective, but see little or no promotion of this or any others. I know it's a tough seller, Rutgers, but unfortunately and obviously necessary today, is there is there a way that they can promote the collective uh, stronger during games? This is a very good point. And I think uh, if you talk to the president of the collector, John Newman, he would say, yes, there's a lot of ways they could do this. Uh, is enough being done, Brian, to, to, to get the word out there about the collective? Are people giving them enough money for a marketing budget to put a commercial <laughs> on NBC in primetime TV? Um, that's, you know, these things will come for free. I I believe they're going to have advertising in the stadium this year, uh, which is a good first step to, because the first people are, people that see a commercial on CBS aren't really going to donate to a Rutgers collective. Uh, NBC and Notre Dame are a bit of a exceptional case in that they, it's one channel that covers one team. That's a national team, right? I think, uh, Rutgers has to start local and doing so in Shy Stadium to make the fans who are more casual and might not be aware of the Knights of the Raritan aware of the possibilities. That's a good first step. Um, and now maybe if someone wants to throw them a few hundred thousand dollars in a marketing budget, maybe they could start putting up billboards on the turnpike, putting out commercials on the Big Ten Network. Until then, I would be surprised. if I think the first priority is paying the players. And I think marketing comes uh, after that. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's, no, it's not going to be a surprise to anybody. But one another topic that I didn't write about this in the column was just talking about, uh, talking to Shiano about this was just that, you know, he he, he spends a great deal of his time on the NIL stuff more than he ever expected or wants to. And which is one reason why he loves being, he loves training camp because he's actually on the field doing football stuff. Um, so yeah, the, it is just about the entirety of uh, everything happening behind the scenes is all about NIL. So uh, good question, Pep. Thanks. Uh, all right. We got another question from a former Rutgers football player. Isn't this great? Brian, 1972 Palm Springs, California, I've read that President Holloway is possibly on the hot seat. Is that good or bad for the football program if he's replaced? Well, I didn't. I don't. I don't know if I feel as strongly to say he's on the hot seat. He's facing some criticism, like virtually every president of a major university does, from for some decisions. I think in uh, the I know we read we read an op-ed of uh, some concern about the leadership changes at Rutgers Newark. Um, I think it would be bad for the program, though. Certainly, he is a, he is a pro athletics booster, a guy who came out and said that he is okay with the foot with the athletic department losing money, which is the first time anyone in a leadership position has just acknowledged the fact that you know Rutgers is going to be operating in the red for the rest of time. Um, so I believe that he's the kind of guy who gets it, who's who's a cheerleader for for athletics. He's been he's been present at games. He's available. He he caught a punt from Adam Corsack. Uh what do you think, fellas? I mean, is he you you am I am I do you agree with me that he is a guy they want to have there for athletics? Yes. And all you have to do is look back to the president before him, Robert Barchi, as the antithesis of an right. a pro athletics present. It's a good point. I'm just surprised that a Brian broke news on the record rant for a change. Yeah, right. That's <laughs> <laughs> maybe really funny. If, if something happens in the next in like month or two, like, oh, we heard we heard it here first from Brian from Palm Springs. Good job. Good question, though. I like it. Uh, all right. Dave from Basking Urge wants to know a good, a good, a former name we used to talk about on this podcast a lot. Uh, I was surprised to hear that Art Sikowski gave up his final year of eligibility to become a grad assistant at Illinois. 
do you think he should have stayed at Rutgers? I could have seen him eventually be our starter. Uh, thanks, Dave. I think he made the right decision to leave. It was just kind of a bad situation. Guy needed a fresh start. Uh, I'm not surprised that he gave up. I think it was a very mature decision by him. Uh, he's the kind of guy that loved having around the program, positive guy. Uh, I can see him being a really successful coach. I, I don't, that, I, you guys agree? Yeah. If, uh, there's a piece in the Illini Inquirer, a 247 sports site, uh, they talked to him before their bowl game last winter and, he clearly loves this stuff. I mean, he's mm-hmm. always loved football, always been a football junkie. And it seems like he's really connecting with the coaching side of things and impressing people on Illinois staff. So I think the combination of things not really working out, he was a backup to Tommy DeVito and probably wasn't going to start this season anyway, kind of made the impetus for him to make that jump that he was probably going to make anyway. And early dividends are very strong. So I think uh, I speak for everyone in the Rutgers universe that they're rooting for Art Sikowski was always a great guy working with him on our end. I think the fans have a good impression of him as well. So yeah, I think we could certainly see Art Sikowski moving on up the coaching ladder sooner rather than later. Art Sikowski is a great example of why you just don't want to anoint the quarterback. And it's happening now. I can see it. And this is a, this is a name that it's it's in my constantly in my Twitter feed. AJ Sarace had a huge game, I guess, to open up the season. And everyone's like, "Look at this kid. He's he is the next great quarterback." I'm like, you know what? Uh, I've been guilty of I've been guilty of banging that drum in the past. I'm going to let him get the campus and um, you know have a college practice before we anoint him. But man, the, the highlights were pretty impressive. I don't know if you fellas saw that. Yeah, I saw it. It was. He was moving. I didn't know he was such a capable runner. Yeah. He had like yeah. 350 plus yard touchdown runs in that yeah. game. Right. Yeah. And um, Wayne Valley's not, it was against Wayne Valley, not to get too derailed here, but traditionally a good program. Like that, that was very impressive. What happened Probably to Wayne Valley? Away. Wayne Valley in trouble? Mm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Uh, they need yeah. a new defense coordinator. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, fun question. Someone wanted to know, can, can Sarge get a, a guest appearance on the podcast? I don't know. I, I'm welcome. I'm, I'm willing to have Sarge back on for a guest appearance. You guys, you guys wouldn't be threatened if we let Sarge come on and, and, and handle a, a show. Maybe for our first ever Friday picks pod. Yeah. I don't know about that soon. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah, we need Sarge for that because he'd be the guy who pick eight and four, which is always, always a great Sarge. Sarge ever the optimist. When he made the picks, God love him. I think the only people that would be threatened by Sarge going on the pod is all the Rutgers people who haven't heard from him in a few months. There's sweat pouring down their neck at the sound of his voice. Um, <laughs> That's the best part about Sarge. Yeah, when he wasn't around, people would be like, where's where's Sarge? It was always great. He could be taking his car in for an oil change, but people are convinced he was he was working on some some massive investigation. So that's always fun. All right. And finally, against my better wishes, against my better thoughts here, Pat, I'm going to ask a CJ and Basking Ridge has a soccer question for Brian. Should I do it? I might as well do it, right? Yeah, yeah. Bring it it home. First, he was giving me, he's giving me grief. Well, first, Politi, please stop picking on the little Red Bulls in Major League Soccer and return to his customary topics. I wrote a column that said maybe perhaps Messi wasn't great for U.S. soccer and the fact he, uh, it's embarrassing. And to my point, I'm going to put this, I'm going to put this out there. If you saw his goal again, amazing play, but there's like seven Red Bull defenders standing in the box, looking at three, three guys for Miami who were past the, you know, between them and the guy. It was just amazing. Anyway. So uh, but the second part of the question, this one's sake, I have any comment on Spain's spectacular run to the world cup title and the object, abject buffoonery of the country's soccer federation president. Go for it, man. Let's hear your soccer stuff. 
Okay, I might be a little long-winded because I'm going to talk about three three things here. But mm-hmm. uh, the I did not watch much of the Women's World Cup. I would only go be up at three in the morning to watch a Women's World Cup game if it was Portugal in the final, which is unfortunately probably never going to happen. Uh, so I did not watch the game. I did not watch most of the games. Uh, I think it's cool. Spain is a country that was one of the first that heavily invested in women's soccer. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a great footballing country. They really love the game. They talk about it all the time. They play very beautifully on the men's side. The women's side does as well. So I was happy for them as much as it hurts me being their Iberian Peninsula neighbors to see them win the title. I thought Rubiales, the scandal is an embarrassment in the beginning just because he's a massive uh, misogynist. Uh, he's kissing women players and the biggest moments of their life in front of the entire world. It's an absolute disgrace. His reaction to the thing is an even bigger disgrace. Just the, the, the federations that react to it is a disgrace. Going to a podium and saying he will not resign as, as though proud of what he did is just embarrassing. I know a lot of Spanish people are embarrassed by it. I think it's a, a public showing of a very ugly side of society that's probably prevalent in a lot of you know, Western European countries, this macho, I can do no wrong. I'm a man thing. Um, It's very sad. I feel bad for the women's soccer players in Spain. And hopefully in the years to come after Rubiales is, you know, punished by FIFA and he has to resign in disgrace that the, their win in the world cup is remembered and not what he did. And hopefully the 2030 world cup bid Spain and Portugal have together does not get ruined by this, this horrendous person that that's secondary, obviously. But if, if I don't get to watch Portugal play in the world cup in Lisbon and Five years from now, I'll be very upset. The Red Bulls angle. Messi absolutely embarrassed them on the field. I think an underrated thing is how embarrassing it was for the club Red Bulls off the field. I mean, they packed that place out with the most people they've ever had. And 95% of them were there to watch an opposing player. Uh, I talked to the uh, general manager, Mark de Grand Prix, before earlier in the week. He said he hoped this would be a launching point for fans who had never been to Red Bull Arena to come back. I talked to about a dozen people on the way out of the stadium. All of them said there's no way they're coming back unless Messi comes back. Um, yeah. They're selling Messi T-shirts in the fan shop. Uh, it's th- this club they lost. They're gonna make might miss the playoffs for the first time in 13 years. If I'm a Red Bulls fan, a diehard Red Bulls fan that's been going to these games and paying this club that does not care about th- this organization that does not care about them, I would be furious. Uh, the club is a shell of itself. It used to be a proud tradition. It used to fight for MLS cups, and now it's. Uh, you know, Disney World, the Disney World of MLS that's willing to sell its soul for a few thousand dollars because the greatest player of all time is in town and they're bowing to him. So I thought if I was a Red Bulls fan, I'd be pretty pissed last night. Uh, it's cool. I get to see Messi, but the club that I love, which again, I'm not a Red Bulls fan, but I'm talking from their perspective is is dead, is dead. And until Red Bull sells the club, which I mean, hopefully they do for everyone's sake, uh, it's going to continue like this. So um, that's my long-winded soccer go. point, that's and great. I can keep going on and on until you stop. Yeah, you, oh, did a, you did a really good, good job. It was that. something else. Yeah, it would that be great a, if we had. That was a real Rutgers rant right there. Every time, it'd be great if we had a way. Like every time that Brian talks soccer, if we could put like a soccer song in the background, like he's talking, it's going ole, 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 ole. Something you know what I'm talking about. I'd be like, it would just yeah. be like the Brian, the Brian soccer segment. This segment, this soccer segment is brought to you by certainly not by Red Bull. That's for sure. Man, who knew? Hello. Sell the team, Red Bull. Wow, gosh, scorching, scorching well, hot. Every time they you've you've, you've talk, talked to me about this before. Every time they get a decent youth academy player, they send them off to Leipzig or Salzburg or Bragatino or anywhere <laughs> outside of New York. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. But I did get a free Red Bull outside the stadium, which was pretty nice on a hot day where I was sweating my face off. So I guess yeah, it uh, it all evens nice. out. That's nice. 
right. Look, what else do we job. got? Good, good job. job. But really, just good job. Do we have any other the top, any other playing games, anything else to talk about here before we sign off? Um, Do you no. see the Who women's I... volleyball title? Women's they won. Volleyball title. They, they won. won the Cavalier Classic, beating University of Virginia in five sets. Wow! Probably a very thrilling win. They're two and zero. The Cavalier Classic. So they went to Charlottesville, Virginia. That's good. That's a big it's, win. It's it's got to be a good win. Yeah. I, and uh, everybody rolls into Charlottesville and leaves with a win. That's a uh, yes. an intimidating environment down there. And uh, that's great. Good. That bodes well. Nice. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, soccer did not do as well. Uh, men's soccer lost their opener, and uh, women's soccer, I believe, lost NC State. I could be totally wrong here. No, they beat sure. NC State. I saw that. I thought they beat NC State. No. Okay. Well, correct the record. I will <laughs> I take that out of the podcast. Uh, but men's soccer did lose their opener to Delaware. Concedes late 1 1 draw. That's the other thing that can happen. You can either win, lose, or tie. So they tied NC State. So off to a shaky start. Thankfully, the NCAA recently had a rule change where they could have draws and not go to overtime in regulation. So uh, I think you take a draw over, over loss. So um, <laughs> thanks. Thanks for that pep. <laughs> Tata. Thanks for that. Tata. That's the name of the Miami coach's name is Tata. That's what I learned. You can't, and I was going to be angry because he didn't start messy, but it's hard to be angry at a guy named Tata. Right. <laughs> or is it Tata? How do you pronounce his name? Tata. 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 Yeah. You got to say that's like, Tata. Tata. That's what he was saying to all the uh, the messy fans when they. Uh, ole, ole, <laughs> exactly. ole, that's what we need. Ole, this is a lot ole, of soccer. Ole. I promise this is it. I don't think that was the Ole song, by the way. I think that you were singing Hot, Hot, Hot by. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's you're counts, right. You're, counts, you're, right. you're actually right. You're actually right. Hot, hot. All right. Anyway. That's all we got, guys. No, I promise Friday's podcast will not just not have a word of soccer. We're going to give you the season preview for the, the win-loss record. We'll tell you who's going to win the game, uh, Northwestern Rutgers. And until then, thanks for listening and for your questions. We appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Rutgers Rant. To participate in the conversation and receive live updates about the Scarlet Knights directly to your phone, sign up at nj.com insider.